one of the ways um, knowledge kind of works in our modern world is through um, science. You know, science has kind of taken over religion now as a kind of a touchstone of reality. Um, but there's, some, there's a way of doing science and a way of doing science. And um, there's doing science where kind of reductionism becomes sort of the dead hand that flattens everything and sort of flattens the wonder of life, you know, like saying, well, human beings just, you know, water and a few chemicals mixed together. Um, and it's like, it's lifeless. There's no awe in it. There's no wonder in it. There's another way you could look at it, even if that's what you think, that a human being is just chemicals and water. Well, wow. They will come together to create seeing and consciousness mm -hmm. and love and sadness and all of that. Mm -hmm. What's missing in that reductionistic approach is, is a sense of awe and wonder of life and that sense of not knowing. And in that sense it becomes a kind of conceit or arrogance. But there's a way of doing science, whichever discipline it's in, like in biology or physics or astronomy or whatever, where the more you just go into exploring the nature of things, the more awestruck that you are. Mm -hmm. Science doesn't have to... Science, if you really went into it, is a, is a religion in that sense. It brings us to that sense of awe and, and it's imbued with a sense of not knowing. Not knowing is also um, very different from being confused. Confusion is sort of recognised as a kind of an impediment or doubt or confusion as an impediment to meditation. Um, <clears throat> and in the Christian tradition, impediment to faith. But confusion is really, it's, it's uh, Confusion arises where there's lots of thinking. There's no thinking, there's no confusion. Mm -hmm. It's simple, really. But when you think confusion arises when you've got competing thoughts, you know, that seem to be in opposition to other and not gelling with one another, and you go backwards and forwards between which one is the right one, which one is the wrong one. That's what creates muddledness and confusion. But if, the, if you're not caught up in thinking, then there's no confusion. So, our practice um, is, is the path of unknowing, you know, and um, experiencing the mystery and the awe and the wonder of life. It's not about trying to work out the mystery. It's about living the mystery, loving the mystery. People get caught up in, when people get caught up in trying to work out the mystery, it kind of kills the mystery, get tangled up. There's a saying in Zen, don't look where the light comes from, so they just experience the light. Don't ask where it comes from, or don't know where it comes from. So what is value? down the centuries in Zen practice is um, what the um, uh, Korean 
Zen teacher made famous, don't know mind. Don't know mind. Not caught up in knowledge of right or wrong. Just sees the, it's just there with the intimacy and the innocence of things as they are before thinking tangles it all up. When I um, lived in Japan many years ago where I began my Zen practice, shortly after I arrived there, I was wandering around as a tourist looking at various things. And um, as a Western person in Japan, um, you kind of stand out as being different and a lot of people like to come up and talk to you and practice their English, you know, and inquire about your culture and so on. And they often assume that you're a Christian because you come from a Christian country and you speak English. And I remember um, there was a, a, a Japanese couple came up and they were Christians and they started talking to me and they asked me why I came to Japan. I said I came to study Zen Buddhism. And they were totally shocked, they, like they couldn't get their heads around it. Um, like, why would you want to do that? You know? <laughs> and, uh, and they said, well, why do you want to study Buddhism? It's so dry. You know, it's so dry and empty. You know, Jesus, love. You know. <clears throat> and I was going, well, why would you want to study that? It's so sentimental, you know, over-emotional, you know. <laughs> Give me clarity any day. And it's like you could see there's this meeting, like we were totally baffled, equally baffled by one another. Like, what in the hell would you want to do that for? You know? And you've got it right here in your own land where you live. You know? Um, I guess both of us in our own ways had seen um, how institutionalisation deadens a religion, whether it's Christianity or Buddhism, <clears throat> and that's what we experience. But one of the, um, I think one of the wonderful things about um, Christianity when you go to the essence of it is its um, um, emphasis on the heart you know, <clears throat> and on, on love. And um, my uh, Japanese friends did have a point to what they're saying in some ways, that sometimes with this emphasis on clarity and, and emptiness, that Buddhism can, can come across as rather dry. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but when we get back to the, to the essence of what Zen practice is, and we start to use English language which captures the essence of it, I think more effectively like words like intimacy rather than enlightenment. Mm -hmm. We start to get more of a feel of what the practice is. When we were talking the other day about um, seeking, you know, the, the experience of seeking, where, where does that come from? Well, we don't know where it comes from, but in a sense it's kind of like it's this, it's this need to get back to the garden again, you know, pre-knowledge, don't know mind. It's kind of like, uh, like wanting to find a, an old lost lover and sort of come back to that, that intimacy again. That's the kind of driving force that takes us forward in Zen. There is a, um, a Zen koan, which I think I've given a talk on, sometime before, um, called Seijo and Her Soul, which is based on a Chinese ghost story, a love story, ghost story. 
And the resolution at the end is that um, Seijo and her soul are reunited. And this is a kind of a, a metaphor, a synonym of the, the path of, of practice. This longing to get back. Longing to get back. That's what drives the seeking. And in the getting back, there's no separation between the seeker and the thing which is sought again. It's always there. The intimate moment is right before our eyes all the time, seeing the, the wonder of life all the time. It's always there. But we're clouded by thinking it's somewhere else, or judging it as better or worse, whatever. We bring practice into everyday life, it does transform it. You can walk down to the shop to buy a loaf of bread and through the eyes of kind of reductionism, you know, we say, I'm just going down the road to buy a loaf of bread. Mm -hmm. That's all there is. Yeah. But there's another way you kind of experience like, I'm walking down the road. And I'm conscious and I'm seeing and I'm alive, my heartbeat. And I can I can feel the freshness in the air. And I'm getting going to get a loaf of bread. <laughs> a so loaf of bread. A loaf of bread. What's <laughs> a loaf of bread with that really nice crust on it? <laughs> and what made up the loaf of bread? You know, life came together and made up this life loaf of bread. kind of feeling. So in Christianity there's been a tendency as there's been in many religions to worship what we call the sky gods up there in the sky. And it's no wonder that it was thought of as up there in the sky because you look up into the sky and you look up into infinity. You look out into the night sky and see infinity and where does it end? And it gives you that sense. It's a very direct way to experience that sense of infinity. So people looked up there for God. Um, but in Zen, we not only look up at the sky gods, we look at the God in the stone, in the water, in you and me, the trees. <coughs> There's a website you can go into, which is very interesting, where it takes you like a telescope, a video through a telescope looking out into the stars and it keeps going out further and further and further and further until it just ends in nothing. And you see all the firmaments and then, and then nothing. And then it turns some kind of instrument in on you go down into the earth and you go down to a rock and you go into the rock and you go into the molecules and into the neurons and there's nothing there. Yeah. Same place. Mm -hmm. We think of, we, we look we look up there, you know, for a sense of awe, you know, and inspiration. But there's no reason why we can't look at a rock in the same way, the same universe. So whether we use the mythology of Christianity or the mythology and the stories of Zen. Um, it's a kind of a longing to get back to the garden. And it's realising that the garden was always here. 
Don't you let veil of knowledge that separate us from 